What's up, everyone? I am Wyatt, and welcome to Cinema Trip Reviews. If you haven't already, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Go check us out on Twitter and Instagram, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Drop in and leave us a good review there. Today on the show, we'll be talking about one of the two movies that the whole world is just talking about, not just right now, but even for the past couple months, uh, and that is Oppenheimer, one of the uh, you know double feature Barbenheimer uh, that everybody's going out and doing. Uh, I myself did not partake. I am not really interested in the, in the Barbie movie, although it did look kind of funny, just not really my thing. But I I am really glad that everybody's going out to the theater once again and you know showing support for these movies. And it's just so crazy that you know both of these kind of got linked together and everybody's supporting them at the same time and you know kind of cross promoting as well, especially between the directors and the actors and actresses within the movies. You really have we really haven't seen any like this before so I'm so glad to see that everybody's kind of going out and uh, you know supporting theaters and, and supporting these movies at a time when you know the, the movie industry is is not in a good place right now with you know the strikes and everything going on so you know it's great to see people going out and supporting these films. Uh, the movie I am talking about today is Oppenheimer, though, uh, directed by none other than Christopher Nolan, who I myself am a pretty big fan of. Uh, of course, you know, everybody's a fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, um, I myself am a fan of those first two movies. Dark Knight Rises kind of goes down on my list every time I watch it. Um, but I am also a huge fan of like Interstellar and Inception. The Prestige is a great film. I really need to get you know, rewatch Memento. It's been so long since I've seen that flick, I barely really remember it, but I, I remember loving the premise of it. Now, when this movie was announced, to be honest, I wasn't super excited about it just because I really didn't know too much about J. Robert Oppenheimer at the time. As the release date kind of pushed closer and, you know, the hype around and surrounding this movie and, of course, Barbie, you know, surmounted and I got to see more trailers and more stuff about it and I, and I kind of read up more on Robert Oppenheimer. You know, I... I really got excited for the flick. Now, like a lot of other people, the only thing I really knew about Oppenheimer was that he was the father of the atomic bomb and that, you know, he worked with them on the Manhattan Project. And then, of course, you know, later he did kind of regret making the atomic bomb and regret, you know, giving it to the hands of the U.S. And then, of course, everybody knows what happens once it was developed and what they used it for, you know, to do devastating things. So that was really the the basic information that I knew and you know that's really what a lot of people knew going into this movie but after watching it and seeing how crazy his story is I mean the, the movie as a biopic of course is going to cover a huge portion of his life from you know being in college learning quantum physics to becoming a teacher to being signed on and you know having to gather up a team to go out and develop and create the atomic bomb and then there's a huge portion of his life after he developed that. And of course, once he started to have these sort of regrets and then he started going out and, you know, being against, you know, developing hydrogen bombs and atomic bombs going forward and what they are used for. There's a whole mess of, you know, politicians and, you know, the government trying to take him down because he's trying to kind of dismantle everything that he built for them in a way. And they really went out of their way to, to you know, soil and ruin his reputation, which which was crazy because I didn't know any of this information. And of course, after sitting and watching a three hour movie about it, I, I, I had to go and do some more research. And, you know, his story and his life is, is very, very fascinating. And, and you really, even though this movie is three hours long, of course, you get the most important parts of it. But I mean, there's there's a lot there that that hasn't been covered, which is interesting. So I definitely uh, recommend going out and, you know, kind of doing some more research on Oppenheimer if you're interested in the movie um, I'm thinking about checking out the book called American Prometheus I think it was called which this movie is based off of uh, that Christopher Nolan read and he decided to develop the movie off of that 
Now, for those who haven't seen the movie, you're just kind of interested and you're not really sure if you want to go to the theater to check it out. It is three hours long. There isn't a, a lot of excitement at all. There's not any action set pieces. There, there's not a ton of huge moments. I mean, it, it, for a majority of this three-hour runtime, it is just a lot of people talking. A lot of dudes talking in rooms, you know, a lot of drama. Of course, you have the, you know, the, the atomic bomb testing scene, but that is only a small, small fraction, a small portion of this three-hour movie. Uh, now, the development and everything around the atomic bomb is a big part of the, a big chunk of the movie. But the actual test is such a small piece of the movie and they really kind of develop their marketing and everything around that, of course, because Oppenheimer is the father of the atomic bomb. But the rest of the movie itself that's that's around that, I feel, is, is a little bit more interesting than just the atomic test, you know, and I, and I think that's what's going to really kind of blow people away, you know, lack, lack of a better phrase. I know everybody's probably kind of using that, you know, this movie blew me away, it blew my mind, you know, what have you. For fans of Christopher Nolan, he does have that signature style to the movie. I mean, you have tons of just cinematic shots, you know, just going over landscapes. Uh, and then, of course, you have the booming music that it just brings tension to you know, the, the smallest of scenes. I mean, you'll have a scene just of these people around a table talking and the, the music's just bah, 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 just ramping up this conversation. And even if it's just people talking back and forth, I'm genuinely like on the edge of my seat, like, okay, what's going on here? Like, oh my God, that was a twist. I wasn't, I didn't see coming or like that opinion. I was, I didn't see coming from this person. Uh, it, it's so you know, it's so kind of, it's kind of refreshing in a way because you don't have like huge action set pieces like you're known for like a summer, a summer blockbuster or anything. You're getting all this excitement just from basic dialogue going back and forth. And with that music kind of up in the score, whenever things are supposed to, you know, moments are supposed to be tension filled. Uh, and, and to, to be honest, it works excellently. Uh, it, it's, it's phenomenal. And the direction by Christopher Nolan, you know, is, is top notch, like everything else that he does, you know, it, it is shot perfectly. This movie, this movie looks absolutely gorgeous. Even though I saw it on a regular screen, not IMAX looks absolutely fantastic. And one of my favorite things about the movie is, I mean, Christopher Nolan talked about how there's no CGI in this movie. Everything is done practically. And throughout the, the course of this movie, when, you know, Oppenheimer's talking about, you know, certain, you know, quantum physics things like this is igniting this or he's having certain thoughts or he's brainstorming about something. You're getting these little moments spliced throughout the throughout the movie while they're talking or in the middle of a scene. It'll be like rain dropping into a puddle and, you know, super close or, you know, something igniting and sparks catching. And it's it's so interesting. And it, it kind of reminds me of David Lynch. I, you know, coincidentally, I wore my David Lynch shirt today, but it reminded me of David Lynch in a way, just like these these weird sounds and visuals that are being, you know, inserted in these these odd places. But it works for the most part, you know, especially with the context of what's going on within the movie. And I think for those types of scenes is really why you should see it in IMAX, other than of course, the the atomic bomb testing scene, but those like intersplice scenes, they they really like jump out at you and they really stand out. And that's one of my favorite aspects of the movie that he kind of inserted there. Because to me, I don't think you know Nolan's done anything like that previously. I mean, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've seen a lot of his back catalog, 
but that's very new and kind of refreshing for this kind of story. And it, it kind of fit with the way that Oppenheimer is, the way that he kind of works and the way that they kind of make him seem as a character, um, as a not a, just a character, but as a person whenever he was younger, going through a lot of anxiety with, you know, being in school. You know, his teacher didn't really like him much. He, he wasn't great in the classroom working on projects. You know, it kind of fit with where his mind was at at the time. Now, another aspect of the story I really liked was that it's kind of split up into a black and white sections and, and color sections. And the color sections really kind of, you're with Oppenheimer. You're seeing things from his point of view. You're getting his thought process. You're getting what's really kind of going on in the moment. And the black and white sections, you really follow uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss, who was the chairman of the AEC, the Atomic Energy Commission. He, because... You know, this is a true story. You know, this is a biopic. The story's been out there. I'm not going to worry much about spoilers. Um, he's really, you follow it from his point of view, and he's going in with all these uh, these committee hearings and everything. I, I believe it's the, before the Senate. I'm not really sure. But he's really out to kind of tear Oppenheimer down. He's really the one that set the chain of events in action to discredit Oppenheimer. He's the one that kind of made a kangaroo court to set him up, to take away his access, uh, his clearances, and and ruin his name that he built up for himself. Just talking about those two characters, they, they are the ones that completely run the show, this movie. I mean, Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer is absolutely fantastic. I love just through the course of the movie, you know, whenever he's in college, up until, like I mentioned, he's in, uh, whenever he's making the atomic bomb, even towards the end of the movie, whenever he's much older, he plays the, he, of course he plays the character the same, but he, he just has these little nuances to him and, and the way he, he kind of changes his voice and his reflections in his voice, you know, he, just, he does such an amazing job of portraying this character and as well as Robert Downey Jr., man. And it is so refreshing to see Robert Downey Jr., outside of Marvel, outside of being Iron Man. Of course, he has done other movies in the meantime, but man, this is the biggest one that he's done since those movies. And he is such a fucking powerhouse. And I mean, you really get to see two sides of his character in this movie. You you really, you're kind of on his side. You're kind of rolling with him for the most part. And then when that fl switch flips, you're like, damn, he can, this, this guy's a bastard. This guy is such an asshole. And Robert Downey Jr. just plays it to a T. He is absolutely fantastic in this movie but it's interesting to see kind of the story go back and forth between this and, and I mean for those that are fans of Christopher Nolan he he is no stranger to making things confusing it was one of his last films Tenet I've only seen that one time and of course I'm probably gonna have to see it a, a second or a third time just to understand it because I, I have no idea what I watched um, of course I got the basics but there's no under like there's no deep understanding of what that movie was doing and then, of course, you have like Inception and then like way back with Memento where it's like a movie done backwards. And it also has moments of being black and white and, and in color that kind of does the same thing in a way. But this movie, it is a little jarring at first to get into because it, it does, you know, introduce a lot of different moving pieces and the different, you know, timelines going on at once. But I would say about maybe a half hour in the movie, 40 minutes is rolling. You're, you're kind of, you kind of settle in to one time period whenever they start going and making the atomic bomb and everything. And it kind of lingers on that for a good while before you go on going forward. But I would, yeah, I would say that that first act or so, it, it can be a little jarring bouncing back and forth, getting a sense of, of, okay, this is where this is. This is where this is. This is kind of matching up with this. Um, it can be a little jarring, but I think it's not overly complicated 
complicated that nobody's gonna get it in a way and that was one thing i was kind of worried about not so about like the movie being not aligned and not being able to understand but i was kind of worried about not being able to understand the like the math behind the movie itself or the physics, the quantum physics that they're talking about. And you don't really need to. I mean, there is a lot of that kind of talk in the movie, but you don't need to understand it to under to to you know understand what's going on within the film itself or what they are doing in that moment in time. You don't have to be a quantum physicist to understand what's going on in the film itself. Because I am far away from being a quantum physicist that that was just one thing i was worried about um, and i'm glad i didn't you know that what i wasn't completely lost throughout the whole thing now going into the movie of course i knew like killian murphy was in this i knew robert downey jr was in this I, hell i knew matt damon was in this and matt damon plays a great character as well he's a uh, leslie groves he's the uh he, he, he's the one that's working for the military that actually went on and hired oppenheimer to run the the manhattan project but I was really unaware of how many stars were in this movie upon watching it. I mean, just, you know, a short list. You got Emily Blunt, who plays Kitty, his wife. You you don't really see too much of her in, that, in like the first half. But that back half, she really kind of has an important part in his life. And even though he's kind of done her wrong throughout their marriage, she's really stuck by him through thick and thin throughout everything that, you know, he was going through. You know, there is a moment that she has, you know, towards the end of the movie where she really stands up for him and she has to go and testify. And it's such a fucking great scene how she stands up to, you know, you know, all, all the harsh, uh, you know, back and forth questioning that that's going on with, you know, the prosecutors and everything. But you have a uh, Rami Malek, who I didn't know was in this movie, and he's such a small role, but he's also important to the to the story itself. Whenever, you know, you kind of make notes as you're watching, you're like, oh my, like, when, why is he here? He's not really doing much, but then there's a huge payoff, and you're like, damn, I'm, I'm really glad that guy was there. David Dismalkian, who... He's one of the guys that was integral in gathering evidence to try to take down Oppenheimer. Uh, I was great seeing him in there. You don't really see too much of him, but it was cool seeing him in there. One of the biggest surprises of the movie was Josh Hartnett. I had no clue he was in this, and he, I wouldn't say he's a huge role, but he's in it throughout the whole movie. He plays Ernest Lawrence, who was a professor at the college that Oppenheimer was with, and he was also brought on to be part of the team in the Manhattan Project. He got he kind of butts heads with Oppenheimer throughout, but man, it was so great to see Josh Hartnett back in there in a huge blockbuster movie like this. It's great to see him get his name out there. Maybe, just maybe we'll see kind of a resurgence of, of the Hartnett going forward here in some movies. I would definitely like to see that because I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. Now, by far one of the biggest surprises I called out in the movie theater with, with my buddy Vernon was Gary Oldman. And I just knew, by the way, and I mean, Gary Oldman plays Harry S. Truman in this movie. He plays the president when Oppenheimer goes in and meets the president, of course, after the, the bomb was developed and, you know, everything that transpired with the U.S., what they did with the bombs. And I could just tell when they did a close-up of the face, I could see in the eyes. I was like, that's fucking Gary Oldman. I've seen this dude in so many different movies just covered in different, you know, prosthetics and makeup. I know Gary Oldman when I see Gary Oldman, and that is fucking Gary Oldman. And it was such a huge surprise to me because I didn't even know he was in this movie. Um, but he plays he plays that role as Harry S. Truman perfectly. Harry S. Truman is kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, in the long grand scheme of things. But, um, you know, Gary Oldman does a fantastic job in that small little part. But overall, there's there's really not too much to talk about other than the, the actual effects itself. I mean, I talked about some of the kind of, you know, the 
the effects that are kind of cutting in and out throughout the movie. Um, but for the, the actual what everybody's probably going to see was the atomic bomb testing. And boy, it was it was phenomenal. And I don't I have no clue how they did this practically or what they had to do to do it practically. I don't know if they actually gave, you know, Christopher Nolan, you know, leeway to just go out and you know drop a bomb in the middle of the desert somewhere uh um but i mean it looked phenomenal and it was great it was so funny to just see people just you know getting prepared you know holding up you know welder's glass in front of their eyes so they can see you know putting on suntan lotion to protect from the you know the blast or the light the uv rays i guess it was just so it was so funny to see kind of people's reactions to that sort of thing but the, the actual test itself even though it doesn't last very long the tension is 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 huge in that scene. I mean, there's there's music running throughout the whole movie, but in that scene, it goes dead silent. So you're just kind of on the edge of your seat, and as the the bomb explodes and you're seeing the mushroom cloud and everything, you're waiting for the sound. You're waiting for the explosion, and and, and it goes on for so long. You're you're just watching people's reactions. You're seeing the actual the. The, the mushroom cloud and the the, fi- the you know walls of fire going up in the sky and there's just no sound to it until and just when you're starting you're like okay I- i'm good you just when you kind of give up hope for the sound it hits you and it just blasts you right in your face it was just so well done and and Christopher Nolan just went and just did a great way of building that, you know, that anxiety and that anticipation for that sound and just the explosion itself. The whole scene was, you know, amazingly done. It was a little short lived because you were building up to that the whole time. And then it just, you know, it only lasts a couple minutes or so and then it's done and then you're moving on. But as for like a centerpiece of the movie, I think it was perfectly done. I mean, he, he did a great job with that. Now, there really isn't too much else to talk about because, I mean, this is a story that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with. It's something that you can just easily go online and, and look up and read a brief summary of, you know, Oppenheimer's story and you'll get a basic gist of what's happening in this movie. Um, but if you have any interest at all in just the, like the making of the atomic bomb or the Manhattan Project, I highly recommend going out and checking this movie out. Oh, especially in theaters. I'm sure this this film will be in theaters for a little while here, so I highly recommend going to check this out. Uh, don't wait until it comes out on digital or VOD or anything like that. I highly recommend going out and checking this out at your local cinema, or even better yet, go check it out on IMAX. That way you get it on the huge screen with that you know ultra surround sound type stuff going on. And I think it's, it's really going to immerse you into the film and, and, you know, it's going to be a fantastic experience. I really wish I would have got to, to see it in IMAX. But for, yeah, for anybody that's kind of unsure or you just have a basic interest in it, on, I, I definitely recommend. It was a fantastic movie. I'm not going to say it's Nolan's best movie by any means. I do I do enjoy a, a couple of his films more than this. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to find anything that's wrong with this movie. I mean, you can easily point at it and be like, yeah, three hours is too fucking long for something that's, there's like no action or, or any huge set pieces other than the atomic bomb in it. It's mainly just a lot of people talking. So I could see where that criticism would really come into play about the runtime. And sure, maybe you could have kind of cut it down a little bit, maybe cut a half hour off there or so. But to me, the three hours wasn't anything because I was fully locked in the whole time. I was, you know, I was along for the ride. And even after the atomic bomb, I was wondering where they were going to go with it. And I was fully on the ride uh, through the conspiracy and, you know, everything that was going on with the government trying to, you know, discredit Oppenheimer and, and what was going 
going on there. It's it's equally as fascinating as the development of the bomb itself, like I mentioned before. So I highly recommend going to check this flick out. I mean, I, I know everybody's recommending it. So I, I'm not I don't know how much my word stands to, you know, all these other movie critics or, or podcasters or whatnot. But if you're watching this, Number one, thank you. Thank you for watching and supporting the channel. Um, but on the other hand, definitely go check out Oppenheimer. But yeah, that is the review for the day. The episode that was supposed to be this week is going to be next week's episode. And that is the the second episode of Heroes of Our Time, where me and Vernon are going to be breaking down and talking about Superman, the movie from 1978, starring Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder. Gene Hackman and directed by Richard Donner. That's going to be a great episode. Make sure to tune in next week for that. Also make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Go check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Trip Reviews. Also check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, drop in and leave us a good review there. And we'll see everybody next week. Mm -hmm.